Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of OneClick Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies. We feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hey everybody, welcome back to B2B Made Simple. Joining me here on the show, I have Kristen Dorsey, the VP of Marketing at Link. Kristen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you here. I'm excited for this conversation um, You know, regarding brand and demand. I think it's a really fun topic to cover. But before we do that, I have a, a question for you. If you had to choose between Coke and Pepsi, what would you yeah. choose? Oh gosh, I hardly ever drink uh, either anymore because uh, I'm, I'm more of a sparkling water person. Um, but usually Coke, it's just kind of what I grew up with. Yeah, there you go. Uh, do you have a, a sparkling water brand that you enjoy, like Bubbly or something like that? <laughs> there, there we go. You have it right there. <laughs> Always have mine. Uh, my my lime Bubbly next to me. It's delicious. I will give you that and probably a lot better for you. Well, I already know it's a lot better for you than than Coke or Pepsi. So. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. you're, you're in the right direction there for sure. Well, Kristen, uh, like I mentioned, we're gonna be talking about brand and demand. Um, you know, a lot of people think that there's a difference between the two and some people don't believe there's a difference between the two and you're in the camp of, you don't really think there's much of a difference, I believe. Um, so will you, will you clarify that for us? Do you think that there is a difference between the two or is there really not? Um, it's interesting. I think that um, there there is a, a a difference between the two, but that both have to be there, um, and there shouldn't be a difference in priority between the two. So, um, you know, the the way that I think about it is that you know, brand helps you to feel a certain way, and demand helps you to take action on that feeling. Um, so, without brand there, uh, there's no feeling, and and you know, you, you don't know. Um, don't have any impetus on taking that action. Um, and without demand, you just feel a certain way and that's great. You know, I can, I can love Apple all day long, but you know, if, if I don't see, uh, let's say a, you know, a demand campaign about a particular product, then I won't know to, you know, spend more money with, uh, with the, this brand that I love. Yeah. So brand is really the foundation mm-hmm. and then demand is taking that message out to the masses, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can you break that down? Like, what is that really look like tangibly for us? Hmm. So, um, and I I think that there definitely are some differences in the way that this is handled between B2B and B2C. Um, And obviously my my world is B2B, so that's what I'll I'll speak to. Um, The the foundation of brands, you know, really is something that I think almost needs to start migrating out of just marketing um, because it's something that really is the foundation across the entire organization. Um, it's the way that your sales team should be acting and speaking about your product and your, your organization. It's the way that your you know, customer success team should be interacting with uh, your customers. Um, brand should really permeate and, and be the DNA of the organization. Um, and then demand is really, you know, like you said, kind of taking that, that message and, and you know, asking for action to, to the masses. So when demand is creating a campaign or creating a message or creating an ad, whatever it is, um, it should already be built with that DNA of the brand. 
Um, and so, you know, brand is this, you know, beautiful kind of structure that's that's there and, and ready to be played with, uh, you know, and and uh, demand kind of takes some of those pieces, puts it together and, and, and sends it out as a message. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, there would you say that they are the same thing, branded demand, or do you believe they're kind of different, but they really should be working in tandem? Yeah, I think it's 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 not that they're the same thing, but it's just that they're they're two parts of a whole. I, I think that's the the way that I look at it is that they're they're absolutely necessary to have both. Um, and I think that unfortunately, um, especially in the last you know 10, 20 years in in B two B marketing, they've they've just focused on demand. You know, it's just like all right, let's get those numbers, get the leads <laughs> to throw over the fence to uh, to sales, and we've done our job. Um, and there's almost a, a feeling, especially in startups and smaller B2B organizations that uh, brand is a nice to have. It's, it's almost like a luxury of larger, you know, uh, organizations. And that's just not the case. Mm -hmm. And it's basically focusing on the short-term mm -hmm. goals and results and then mm -hmm. punting what's there in the long-term, which is the brand affinity that you can build. And mm -hmm. that's where really a killer strategy can come from, mm -hmm. where maybe you don't have to try and generate as much demand through uh, ads and mm -hmm. campaigns because the brand carries the weight and generates its own demand, right? Absolutely. There's um, a fantastic uh, uh, image that I actually share with, you know, all of the, the teams that I work with um, that comes from Field and Binet, and it shows the the kind of long and short of it. So it shows this, this graph where uh, you know, the brand is is a gradual climb, right? Over, you know, a couple of years, let's say, span of the organization. Whereas, you know, demand is kind of this, you know, this, um, not the staircase, it's, it's, you know, kind of ebbs and flows of, well, as long as you're putting money into demand, you're getting some sort of return, but you have to keep putting that money in. And so in order for anything to grow, you just would have to keep feeding more money. Um, whereas brand, um, you know, helps to build that foundation so that demand doesn't have to work as hard. You don't have to put as much money into it. And but unfortunately, because of this kind of short term focus uh, that a lot of organizations have, I mean, we're down to looking at, you know, month, not even you know quarterly. Um, whereas brand is, you know, is a long term play, but it, it has to be there in order for the organization to, to really be sustainable. Mm -hmm. um, there's no way that you can actually grow in the long term with with only uh, demand. Would you say that brand, maybe not 100% of the way, but is like 90% self sustaining? It, uh, it will be yes. Yeah. Yeah, as I in think where it generates its own demand down the road once it's built, and it's like you absolutely. don't have to pump as much cash into it. Is what you're saying? Absolutely, and especially when um, an organization looks at the brand as again, kind of the DNA of of the organization, as opposed to oh, this thing that they do in marketing. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, it has to be something that's really uh, a part of building uh, the the company as a whole, because then it will be uh, self sustaining. Well, how do you approach that when it comes to getting everyone on board? Because it does start in marketing. You don't want, uh, I would assume you don't want a ton of chefs in the kitchen trying to tell you what the brand should be. So let's say you identify your strategy for the next few years or, you know, a uh, few quarters, whatever it may be. How do you get that brand message permeated into the rest of the organization? Is that your role? 
Yeah, but I think that it's absolutely the role of the alignment of um, the executive team and the organization, because if you don't have absolute alignment with the CEO, with the uh, um, COO, just across the board, um, everyone has to feel like they it, it's theirs too. Right. Um, so what I found doesn't work is when, you know, marketing kind of comes in and goes, well, here's this beautiful deck and, you know, here's these colors and, you know, and this logo and this cool campaign that we're going to run, um, you know, and and uh, but don't touch it. And, you know, it's it's only ours and, you know, this kind of thing. It, it just doesn't work because in order for I mean, the, the brand is something that's really organic and it's going to grow and evolve and, and develop over time, but it's only going to do that if the entire organization feels like it's theirs, right? They, they feel, you know, it's, it's like one of the reasons, you know, Google and others, you know, call themselves Googlers, right? Like it's, it's a part of feeling like um, that's part of their identity now, right? That, you know, they, they have ownership and, and um, real in, emotional investment in the brand. And so I think that starting, it has to absolutely start at the top so that it can then, you know, disperse and, and trickle down to the, the masses in the organization. But um, it's really starting with that alignment. And so when I come into an organization, um, you know, my first conversations are with the CEO, with the founder or founders to really understand what is the kind of company that they envision for themselves? You know, what are they trying to be? Um, you know, where do they want to get to? You know, all of those, those kinds of things, because it can't just be something that you come in and impose um, on the organization. So what about budget? Do you think that there should be separate budgets for demand and, and brand, or should one budget be allocated to one and the same? Um, I, I guess the way that I look at it is it would be one budget because the two have to work so, so closely together. I think just, you know, tactically and, and just, uh, you know, in, in the real world, you know, you are going to have to, uh, to disperse that separately between the two um, because it, there is a need to put money behind brand campaigns versus demand campaigns. Um, what I feel though, is that, uh, and you know, what I see, unfortunately, again, in a lot of B2B organizations is that, the majority of the the budget is thrown to demand. And so, you know, brand kind of has some scraps, you know, tries to throw together whatever they can, you know, at the end of the day, um, uh, you know, or everything is looked at as, as, oh, well, you know, brand should just be organic. And, you know, while there's a lot of uh, that you can build there, um, you also have to have the budget to actually, you know, build the assets and, and you know, um, build the buzz around it as well. So yeah. I, I feel it needs to be a, a balance between the two. So when it comes to brand, I guess that really does get me thinking now because I kind of in, in the camp of, oh yeah, brand is built organically and you mm -hmm. build a community and an audience that has an affinity toward you. What are some things we can actually put a budget toward when it comes to building a brand? Well, the, um, one of the, the examples that I like to use is actually a B2C example. Um, and this is uh, Dove. So, you know, Dove has these phenomenal brand campaigns where, you know, it's the real beauty and, you know, you see all of these women that aren't photoshopped and, you know, all this stuff. Um, and those are really successful brand campaigns. And then they also have demand campaigns where they talk about a particular soap or, you know, body wash or whatever it might be. Um, both are seen on 
huge billboards and, you know, in commercials and, you know, all of this, that's a, a hefty budget put behind both sides. Yeah. Um, and so just because it's a brand campaign doesn't mean that it's just going to magically, you know, disperse into the world. So having budget to put behind paid campaigns for the brand message, um, I think is just as important because as well, uh, getting that brand awareness growing, uh, you know, out into your market is so essential well before your uh, prospect ever has the demand in mind, right? Long before they're actually ready to, uh, you know, be in any kind of a, a buying phase with you. And so if you don't have the budget to, to put behind some of those, uh, you know, paid placements or, or um, you know, video spend or, or whatever it might be, um, if you're not building that awareness in any more than just kind of, well, we put some posts on LinkedIn, you know, um, it's you're you're not going to get to where you want to want to be and and putting all of that spend uh, in demand and not balancing it with that that brand awareness um, side of things, you're, you're throwing away a bunch of money to people who don't know enough about you to even consider you when they're actually in a, you know, in a, in a buying phase. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And even the LinkedIn comment, it's like LinkedIn can be a great tool, mm. but if you're just going to be posting selfish PR and just uh, a bunch of stuff on a company page that gets two or three likes because it's just fluff and it's, mm -hmm. you know, employees liking the page, then it's, then that's not a brand building activity. That's just a time waster is what that is. Absolutely. And I mean, we all know how noisy, you know, every single market is, right? It's, it's everything that we do is surrounded in noise. And so, you know, even if, um, you know, you see some phenomenal, uh, you know, really authentic brands content coming through, you know, organically on LinkedIn, that's going to be one tiny little thing that you saw that one day, you know, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to having that enforced with, you know, oh, I saw the brand over here and then, and then I saw it over here. And, and, you know, I mean, that's, that's how it works. We, we have to be surrounded, you know, we're, we're, we're dumb animals at the end of the day. Like, <laughs> you know, we have to, you know, have the message reinforced an awful lot before we're ready to pick up. How, what, what warning would you give to someone if they actually are focusing on creating demand gen campaigns in a vacuum? What, what's going to happen if that, if that is a direction that they've been going? Um, I would say that I would, again, give a lot of examples to them that, that hopefully would help them to connect with their own buying behavior um, in that, you know, if you saw a, uh, you know, demand ad, uh, let's say for a particular product, um, you know, how likely are you to click through to that or, or to, you know, pick up the phone and say, Hey, I'm, you know, I want to learn more about your product when you've never heard of the brand, yeah. you, you know, you've never heard of them before. It's like, you know, getting the, you know, those cold emails where you're just like, wow, you just, you know, shouted at me for five paragraphs and mm -hmm. I've never heard of you before. The likelihood of me spending my time to respond um, is very, very low as opposed to, you know, gosh, I've heard of this you know, HubSpot company, you know, for years, <laughs> uh, you know, I've seen them at conferences and I've heard my friends talking about them and, you know, I've, I've heard them on podcasts and, you know, this and that. And then I see an ad come up for, you know, some new product from, you know, HubSpot. Um, the likelihood of me paying attention, even, you know, even giving them that extra two seconds to read the ad mm -hmm. um, is so much more likely because I'm aware. And so, um, you know, it's, it's putting the cart before the horse. If you're throwing out, you know, demand campaigns and expecting that people are going to kind of click through and, and, you know, sign up to buy, mm -hmm. um, it, you're, you're not, 
it's, you know, it's, I hate the, the dating um, analogies, but I'm going <laughs> to use it here, but you know, it's kind of like walking up to someone on the street and just being like, Hey, you want to go on a date with me? It's mm-hmm. like, I don't know who you are and you need to, you know, you need but to if your name is Matt Damon, they might say <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. It's like, Oh, I, I've heard of you, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think, I think it goes along nicely. I'd be curious to know your thoughts, even with outbound. Now for context, we don't do any outbound uh, at our company. And maybe we will in the future. I don't know. Uh, but the more I think about it, we have built a name for ourselves, not a household Apple name, HubSpot name by any means. I'm saying like a percentage of a percentage of that, where maybe some people would be like, oh, you know, I've seen this content on LinkedIn. Maybe I'll respond to this email or this cold email or this phone call or this this DM, at least to say, you know, this isn't a fit for us. And I think because of that, we might actually have success. Um, again, we haven't tried it, but do you believe also that this could impact when you have a brand impact the outbound? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, again, if, if, you know, Matt Damon calls you tomorrow, you know, you're, <laughs> you're pretty likely to pick up the phone. Right. Um, and in, you know, in, in my, my perfect, you know, world that someday, you know, I'll, I'll help bring into existence, um, you know, outbound won't even happen at an organization until the brand is, you know, is well on its way. Mm-hmm. Uh, because personally, I, I think it's a waste of effort. Um, you know, definitely there's, you know, early sales motions and things like that, where it should be more of a warm outreach. It should be more of a sampling from your network, asking for connections, things like that, as opposed to, you know, flooding somebody's inbox or God forbid the LinkedIn, you know, mm-hmm. situation. Um, because you you just haven't built, it's not even the credibility, but just a, a base level of trust, right? Um, yeah. You know, and so you're you're reaching out and you're asking someone to give you their attention and their time, which is incredibly valuable. And you know, with, without giving them anything in return, any any sort of understanding of who you are, any base level of like, I'm not going to steal your information and go run around and do something terrible with it. Yeah. Um, trust is a big deal. Uh, you know, and I think that folks overlook that aspect of, of building that brand brand and that foundation first before just going out and, you know, asking people for favors, basically. You know, what's interesting is I, I can definitely, um, attest to getting cold emails from companies. I don't know, sending them to spam, opening them. Cause they all sound exactly the same, same thing with, with DMS. It's like, I have enough in my LinkedIn inbox that I don't need that. And, um, it reminds me, uh, uh, a guy I know on LinkedIn, I'm really familiar with his brand. I've listened to their podcast. Um, he reached out because they were, they had built a SaaS tool and he said, Hey, um, it was like a product led motion. So it wasn't, it was a free tool I got to try out. And he's like, Hey, would love for you to try this out. Um, you know, it's free. Let us know what you think of the product. And because of the brand affinity that I had to him and his company, I mean, it was like, Oh yeah, of course like no questions asked. I jumped in and and did that great little tool. And it just reminds me like, yeah, you know, when there's a relationship there, when you have affinity toward a brand or even a familiar familiarity, that's even a word. Um, (laughs) I probably just butchered it, but it makes you uh, much more likely to be like, yeah, no questions asked. I would, I'd be happy to do this. But if someone I did not know had sent me that exact same message with the exact same context, I probably would have ignored it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when I came into uh, to link my, my current company, um, one of the first conversations that I had with our sales team was, you know, it is absolutely my uh, mission to make sure that we do not do this. You know, mm-hmm. 
do not cold DM anyone, do not cold email anyone, you know, let's find other ways to do it. And it's, it's challenging, especially we're, you know, a startup, it's, it's really challenging to find the patience within the organization to, to, to kind of take that step back and understand that, you know, yeah, you're chopping at the bit and, you know, you we need to get deals closed, um, but you're, it's not going to work anyway. And so you're wasting your time, you know, mm-hmm. like let's use our resources really wisely. What's your best strategy for keeping things not dull and boring when it comes to brand and even, uh, you know, demand gen campaigns, because B2B seems to fall in this trap more often than not. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, this one I think is, is about just being more courageous. Um, you know, I think, um, really having the courage to kind of, you know, again, come to your executive team and be like, we're going to do this thing. Uh, and you know, it, it might shock some people or it might, you know, make some people upset. Uh, but at least it'll be different. At least it'll, it'll grab someone's attention. Um, and, and, you know, a little bit having that courage to, you know, ask forgiveness, not, (laughs) not permission. Um, but as well, I think, that, you know, as B2B marketers, I think we, we have to um, set the bar higher, like honestly, just to look around and say, okay, if I've seen this same type of creative done or this same type of CTA done a hundred times or even 50 times, let's maybe not do it that way. You know, um, how can we, you know, do it in a different way? I think as well, the way that we build our teams and the the type of people that we work with, whether it's internal or, uh, you know, through agencies or freelancers, what have you, um, looking to build a really diverse team is incredibly important in this. Um, I think that, you know, if you, if you bring in, you know, team members who have only ever worked in B2B or have only ever worked in tech or, you know, whatever it might be, um, or, you know, even from a, you know, a, a racial standpoint or, or, you know, whatever it might be, it's so important to get different, uh, you know, views on the world, um, you know, because the, the likelihood of coming up with something a little different, coming up with something that, that you know, you haven't seen a <laughs> hundred times um, is so much more likely when you have, you know, diverse, interesting voices coming to the table um, and, and bringing their ideas. So those kind of, you know, be, be a little bit more fearless and, uh, you know, and, and fill your, your bench with, you know, interesting, um, diverse people. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is I think Gong out of all the companies I have, you know, watched in the B2B world when it comes to building a brand and being creative, I think they probably do the best job of this. And what's interesting is they will come up with a crazy idea and then they will say, we did this crazy idea and them just saying that they did the crazy idea garners more hype and more exposure than the idea itself. For example, mm-hmm. they did uh, a Super Bowl ad a couple of times. I remember the first year they did the Super Bowl ad. I think it was either before or after the Super Bowl, they got way more exposure than they would have ever because of the Super Bowl ad, just because they said, can you believe it? We did a Super Bowl ad. Mm-hmm. It, the YouTube video took off. Everybody on LinkedIn was talking about it. And that's where it's like, Sometimes you do the crazy thing and you tell people about it and that can get you the exposure. Another example is, I don't know the exact context and I might butcher the story here, but they said something along the lines of they were thinking about doing a trade show in Madison Square Garden uh, in New York City. And I think it was hundreds of thousands of dollars for this booth, but they didn't want to pay that. So what they did is they ended up wrapping 
uh, all the taxis in that like block vicinity mm. with the gong logo. So everyone going back and forth, I don't know, maybe it was uh, Uber uh, uh -huh. or Lyft. Maybe they did it with those cars too, but they wrapped it with their logo and then yeah. just didn't go to the, the trade show and they spent a fraction, but then they told everybody about it and it blew up all over again, way more exposure. But all they had to do is say, we did this crazy idea. And everyone's like, oh, so it's almost like how well you execute on the crazy idea as well. Absolutely. It's similar to uh, to Hootsuite, right? They did that at, at uh, South by Southwest where, you know, they made the giant, you know, owl bus. Um, <laughs> and how ridiculous, like, you know, making a bus that looks like an owl has nothing to do with their mm -hmm. product. But, you know, it, it's it's just, you know, being fearless. I, you know, I, I love the the idea of what was that conversation like, you know, <laughs> in that, that boardroom or wherever they were when they were like, so we want to make, you know, we want to wrap every, you know, taxi and, you know, in the area with our logo, as opposed to, you know, doing it the way that everyone has always done it. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just, it's just having that courage to be like, we, we can do better. You know, mm -hmm. we can, we can, we can be better. Just like it, I almost, uh, really hope that one day we can get to a point where there isn't a B2B versus a B2C because mm -hmm. how many times do we have to say we're still selling to people? You know, people are on the other side of that purchase and, you know, they, they want to be entertained and they want to be delighted and surprised just the same that, you know, the end consumer, uh, you know, wants to be delighted and surprised. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to get out of this box of like, well, you know, we have to be corporate and sell to businesses and, you know, I just, I think that those days are done. Yeah. You know, one of the, I don't remember where I heard this. It may have been on the, on talking to someone on this podcast, but they said the best way that they've come up with creative ideas like this was they would sit down with their team and say, dream as big as possible. I don't care how off the wall, how crazy and expensive the idea is. We're not talking budget here. I just want to hear like, if you had the moon, like if we had to go get the moon for this campaign, like we'll write it down. And then what they do is they take all the crazy ideas and they start to shave them down into like, okay, well, we can't do this, but we could afford to do this. And it's literally just giving the okay and empowering your team to think extremely big without limitations and then fitting that into the resources that you have. Mm -hmm. I love that. I, another um, tactic that, that I use a lot of the time is from a copy standpoint, um, you know, is, okay, well, we started with, <laughs> you know, a paragraph of copy, um, you know, how do you say that in five words mm -hmm. and, you know, throw a curse word in there or, you know, throw a ridiculous word that doesn't make any sense. Get some attention. Know, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and often by kind of distilling the idea to, you know, just the core of what you're trying to, to explain it, it breaks you out of some of those, you know, um, just those, those habits and boxes that we've all kind of grown up with, you know, of mm -hmm. like, well, we have to be very, you know, I uh, have to have the right punctuation. We have to have the right, this and the right, that. And it's like, no, we don't, you know, let's, let's break the rules. You know what comes to mind? I don't I don't know who this was for. I think it's for a lighter company. And you've probably seen this ad, but it was um I forget who it someone along the lines of like kind of like a Betty Crocker, like older woman lighting mm -hmm. a candle or something with a lighter. And then it's just like perfect for lighting candles. I don't remember who the name of the lady is, but mm -hmm. and then it's like the next uh over to the right, it's like Snoop Dogg, and he's like with a, a speech bubble, and he's like and other things. It was just like, that's the, the funny creative, like, uh, you know, like kids probably wouldn't get it, but the adults are like, okay, that's funny. When you see yeah. that, that's the outside the box brand affinity that we're talking about here. <laughs> exactly. And that's something, you know, you'll remember for, you know, 
years to come, right? Yeah. Like that sticks in your, in your mind. It's, mm-hmm. it's really, it's incredible. Um, you know, the, the idea of, of, you know, latching onto someone's memory again, especially in such a crowded space, a lot of the time, you know, what, what we, we see again, even in B2C ads is that they, you know, go all out and they have all of this, you know, this message and this, this big spectacle. And at the end of the day, you don't remember the name of the brand. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, you know, it, it doesn't work. So it's, it definitely, when you think about, you know, being creative and staying fresh and, and all of that, um, I, I think that we often forget that sometimes simple is better and sometimes simple is creative and fresh because we're, you know, uh, inundated with either spectacle or just kind of, you know, especially in B2B, so many words, um, you know, and, and sometimes you just, you have to cut through the, the noise with simplicity. Yeah. So at this point in the show, um, we have some closing questions for the next 10 or so minutes, if you'd like. And basically, this is the ones that I ask everyone on the show, curious to hear your thoughts. Um, everyone has a different answer, of course. The first one is in regards to your website strategy, what's something that you've recently tried and did it work or did it not work? Hmm. Um, well, I feel like we're jumping on the bandwagon here, but uh, we ungated uh, all of our nice. content. Yeah. Um, so excited to, to be able to, to come in and do that. Um, and, uh, I think it's worked quite well. Um, you know, our, our inbound, uh, demo requests have gone up. Um, you know, the, the, the views on the content, um, are the same, you know, um, and it, it just, I just feel like it's the right thing to do. Uh, and so, you know, obviously we're, you know, we're watching our traffic and, and all of that, Um, but you know, I care about someone who is, is ready through that content to reach out and actually talk to us, um, not, you know, giving us their email address so that they can read a white paper, you know, or a a case study. Um, the ones that drive me crazy are, are, you know, when people gate, uh, like case studies or customer stories, it's like, I want to blaster those everywhere. You know, I want absolutely everyone to read those. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine, you know, why you'd ever want to gate that, that kind of material. Um, but yeah, we, we ungated everything and it's, it's, it just, it just feels good. It feels like Yeah. Right. Yeah. I can imagine. I, I came across a, a SAS tool one time where they gated their explainer video. They're like, if you want to find out what our product does, you need to fill out this form. And it was not a short form at all. I was shocked. I mean, I think they're in the camp of, uh, trying to make things as hard as possible on themselves. Um, because I sure did not fill out the form I left. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that was one of the most crazy ones that I've come across. And although this one, this one wasn't SaaS, this was uh, like a manufacturing company. And maybe I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it was just a really old website. But they, uh, their opening screen when you landed on the website made you fill out like a CAPTCHA to get to the website to make sure that you weren't spam. Wow. Yeah. You had to connect the little puzzle pieces just to yeah. access what I completely... like, a, like a secret password as well. Like, <laughs> you know, I was like, you have strange. to be kidding me. Yeah, yeah. But these, these crazy things are out there, which is uh, mind boggling to me, but I digress on that one. <laughs> uh, my next question for you is as a VP of marketing, let's say before this podcast, was there a question in the back of your mind that one, you just wish someone would ask you. And maybe it was along the lines of like, man, you know, I'm going on this podcast I would love to get asked this question. Does anything come to mind? Hmm. Um, I think I, I, I wish everyone would start asking this question, which is, uh, you know, why don't more 
companies have a chief brand officer. Mm. Again, because of understanding or getting to the point of understanding that brand is more than, you know, just in the, the marketing department, it, it, you know, comes and, and, you know, is seated from there. But, you know, again, brand is something that, that absolutely has to be threaded through the entire organization um, and having someone who, you know, has that seat on the executive team um, and really can champion that, um, I, I think is such a huge opportunity for, for organizations. Um, and so I'd, I'd ask the question, you know, why, why don't more of them <laughs> do that? Yeah, that's a, I really like that a lot. That could be a podcast episode in itself. It seems like mm. might have to have you back for 2.0 to do that. <laughs> Happy to. <laughs> uh, well, Kristen, um, last thing for you, what I like to do is give my podcast guests the opportunity to ask me a few questions if you'd like. Um, so if you've never hosted a podcast before, Now's your chance. Uh, the ball is in your court. Anything you want to shoot my way? Absolutely. So this one has been bothering me for quite some time. Um, and I actually just Sam wanted to reach out to you individually and ask you this anyway, but I've seen folks so often uh, on LinkedIn talking about, you know, cardinal sins of, you know, uh, of, of, of brands and, you know, companies. And so often I hear, well, uh, you know, stock photography is just the worst thing that you could possibly do. Um, and I'm sitting over here in a startup and have gone through many startups, uh, you know, looking at our budget and going, well, what's the alternative? I mean, you know, I, I don't think we can hire a full-time photographer or, you know, to, to go out for all of the needs that we have for our creative assets. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you suggest? I mean, whether it's the website or, you know, or, or ads on social or whatever it might be, um, how do you build things without stock photography if, if you don't have a huge budget? Yeah, I use, so I'm in the camp of no stock photos as well. Um, and I have gotten a little bit of pushback on that. And I, I see where companies are coming from. They said, look, we're coming out of a pandemic. How are we supposed to get uh, stock photos of people in the office? We haven't been in the office for two years. And I'm like, okay, I understand that. And that, that does make sense. However, um, I'm still in the camp of eliminate. If you have the resources to eliminate it, definitely go out and get someone in the office and, and get pictures with your team. Or if you're, if you're doing uh, construction tech, go out to the work sites and get pictures with your customers and things like that. Now, a way around this, for example, our team is 100% remote. So there's really no way to get stock or not even stock photos, but just regular pictures of us working. It's We're in our homes. And because of that on our website, what we do is we use um, vector images, which are just little graphics, which I think could be a really good bridge for SaaS companies uh, until they can at least get some legit photography um, of their team. And another thing that kind of gets it 50% there as well is featuring images of your team. For example, on our website, we have uh, the leadership and we have the headshots, right? And I think at the end of the day, people just want to do business with people they know, like, and trust. And that's one way that you can at least give a visual to and put a face to your company is by putting those those headshots of maybe even the executive team, maybe some of your other team. I mean, I have seen companies put headshots of a hundred plus employees on their website. And it's really cool to scroll through that and see. And guess what? They don't have any photos anywhere else on their site, but it builds the connection that you're trying to build with the stock photos. Mm-hmm. At least it gets you kind of there and puts a face to uh, your company. So that's how I would go about that. Nice. I like that. Gives me some uh, some ideas too. Yeah. 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 Well, any other questions on your end? Or are you good to go? 
No, that's that's great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for joining me here on B2B Made Simple. This has been a fun podcast for sure. Um, to close us out, uh, I always give my guests the opportunity to let us know like what you guys do. So at Link, give us the uh, like the 30 second rundown. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Link is a CX automation uh, platform built specifically for retail. So CX automation being um, automated chat and self-service uh, for uh, you know, retail customers. Um, and what's really cool about uh, our tool specifically is that we actually allow or, or enable uh, customers to resolve issues all the way through um, in an automated fashion. So without ever having to hand off to uh, a, a live agent, um, things can get resolved. So you can, you know, process a return, you can, you know, do an exchange, you can, uh, you know, even get, uh, you know, style advice and, you know, all of that um, directly through this, you know, anytime you want uh, and any channel you want uh, type of assistance. So it's it's really cool. I'm, I'm so excited about it. Very awesome. Well, Kristen, Again, thank you so much for for coming on the podcast. This has been a blast and I'm honored to have you here on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. I've had a great time. Really appreciate it. 